Hey listeners, welcome back to Who Knew We Didn't. My name is Marta and my partner in podcast here is Megan. Hey Megan. Hey, hey Marta. Uh, Who Knew We Didn't is a podcast about psychology and everyday things in your life that can be affected by psychology and today's topic is Alzheimer's and dementia. Yes. Uh, Yeah, Megan's going to be doing most of the talking for it and I'm just going to be asking her questions and asking more about Alzheimer's and dementia. Um, Also, just a note, we are recording in Megan's house today. So if you guys hear the existence of another person, it's because there is another person here. Yeah, my husband's downstairs. You know, he lives here too. Yeah. And uh, and also, if you guys hear like a background hum, that's the air conditioner because you don't want us to melt. Yeah, it's like 40 degrees today. So that is why we are not in the car. It is why the air conditioner is on and stay cool. Yeah, and we talked about this before. I was telling Megan, like, this is probably still going to be one of our better audio episodes because <laughs> last episode we had a plane It was flyover. a full-on plane that flew yeah. over, uh, in addition to the, like, many trucks and transport <laughs> trucks that for some reason choose to go to the library on Sunday mornings. Yeah, and all our windows were open, so, yeah, this, this episode will be fine. Um, and let's, I guess, let's dive in. Megan, my first question for you is, what is dementia? Well, let me tell you. Um, So dementia, in really simple terms, it's an irreversible decline in mental function. It's kind of a catch-all phrase. So dementia really encompasses several disorders that cause chronic memory loss. Um, Also things like personality changes, impaired reasoning. Alzheimer's is one of these disorders. it's, but it's an umbrella term for like 200 other like various diseases that cause oh. a similar pattern. Okay. Yeah. So if you have Alzheimer's, you have dementia, but not vice versa. Yeah. Like it's kind of like, exactly. You totally summed it up. Alzheimer's is like a kind of dementia, but not everybody who has dementia has Alzheimer's. Um, is dementia, like, does everybody get it? Uh, no. So it's, it's a, it's a regressive disease. It deteriorates your memory over time and like it it affects everyone differently. So like for some people it will be really aggressive and really quick. And for other people it would be really slow. Um, it is kind of a disease of aging though. So no, not everybody become or gets dementia, but, um, your, your likelihood or risk of being diagnosed with dementia gets um higher and higher the older you get um yeah so it's having said that it isn't just affecting elderly people Hmm. so yeah there are increasing numbers of people being diagnosed in younger ages even as young as 30 um altogether Um, dementia affects 11 million people in america alone holy fuck um yeah now i did want to throw one thing in here right now i watched a ted talk and i'll talk more about this particular talk in a in a little bit um but it said that if you delay dementia for as little as five years you practically wipe it out in the population or at least reduce it by about 50 percent. so um which is a huge difference right so it's just kind of like um yeah it's a disease of aging but the anything we can do to prevent it could really almost eradicate it in uh in our population yeah there's um there's an interesting study which we'll talk about during the bilingual episode that that brought up for me if you're bilingual and you have alzheimer's the uh symptoms of alzheimer's show up later than people who are not bilingual so yeah so two equally like disordered or destroyed brains uh the person who is bilingual their brain is 
like neuroadapted slightly differently. So they ward off the symptoms, even though their brain is just as fucked mm. up as somebody else with Alzheimer's, but wow. can only speak a single language. So like there's arguments as to like, that could be really good, but that could also be really freaking bad because you are diagnosed way later. But yeah, it was just an interesting study. That is interesting. Um, speaking of Alzheimer's, uh, can you tell me what it is? Yeah. Yeah, I can. And how it's different from dementia. <laughs> uh, so, like I say, Alzheimer's is a type of dementia. Um, Alzheimer's itself, it's a specific progressive disease that um, slowly and again, irreversibly destroys memory and cognitive functioning. It can be diagnosed in younger people as well, but generally the symptoms begin after age 60. Um, there's no known cure, but research has identified biological evidence of the disease, which is um, amyloid plaques that tangle and tangles up in the brain. Um, you can see that actually microscopic microscopically, or you can use a PET scan um, that uses a new tracer that actually will bind to the proteins. Um, and as Alzheimer's begins, there's actually a lengthy period of time, like maybe even a decade or so, um, when the brain neurons affected by the disease attempt to divide possibly as a way to compensate for the death of the neurons. Hmm. Um, and this is unusual in that most neurons develop prenatally and then they never divide again. But in Alzheimer's, the cells do make an attempt to divide and then they die off. Um, and by the end of the course of the disease, the patient will have lost about 30% of the neurons in the frontal lobes of their brain. Um, I, I found a study and it quoted a woman named Erin Codis, who was a former PhD student at the University of Virginia, and she is now the scientific editor at Alpha Biocom. Um, she proved through several experiments that excess calcium entering neurons through calcium channels on their surface drive those that's what drives those neurons back into the cell cycle so that's what's causing the neurons in the brain to try and divide huh. um yeah so alzheimer's it really does affect the brain and the damage to the brain begins years before symptoms actually appear and basically yeah it's abnormal proteins um in the brain uh, form plaques and tangles in the brain and the connections between cells are lost and they begin to die off. And in really advanced cases, the brain will actually show significant shrinkage. Yeah, that was, uh, there were two things that came up for me while you were saying that. One was we learned about that plaque in the sleep episode that your brain actually flushes the plaque while mm -hmm. you're sleeping. And as you age, sleep is harder to come by. So harder to stay asleep. Yeah. For as long. Yeah. Yeah. So your brain might not be clearing that plaque as effectively. So th I wonder if that's why it's a disease of aging. Yeah. I think it's, well, I mean, I'm no scientist, but I, I would assume that it's associated. Yeah. They just are correlated. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. And then, uh, another one is I've seen some images of like the disordered brain, like the Alzheimer's brain. And you can see that like, it actually has lost quite a bit of density in like wow. the seriously like degenerated ones. Like you lose density like an alzheimer's brain i think like weighs less than a healthy brain fuck yeah um okay so alzheimer's then has a certain set of symptoms how is that different from dementia um well the the terms really are used interchangeably but 
technically they are different. Um, so like I said earlier, Alzheimer's is a type of dementia. There are many other types of dementia and I'll list a few of them. Um, one is called Lewy body dementia, which is often misdiagnosed actually as either Parkinson's disease or as Alzheimer's. Um, the hallmark of LBD is deposits inside the cell that are accompanied by um, neurodegeneration, um, basically degeneration of the building blocks of the brain. Um, another type of dementia is called frontotemporal dementia, which is a group of rare disorders affecting the frontal and temporal lobes of the brain. And it usually occurs at a younger age, actually, than other forms of dementia. Um, a higher amount of um, frontotemporal dementia is familial, and that means that it's associated with a mutation of a gene that can be passed from parent to child. Like hereditary. Um, yeah, it yeah. tends to be more rapidly progressing as well. Um, it mainly affects language skills, the inability to focus, and inability to control impulses. Um, another type of dementia is called vascular dementia, which is the second most common cause of dementia. Um, it often occurs after a stroke when blood flow is cut off from a part of the brain and the brain is basically deprived of oxygen. And then the last one I'm going to mention is Parkinson's disease dementia. This mainly affects the motor system by depleting a region in the basal ganglia of dopamine. So patients will have an existing diagnosis of Parkinson's before getting diagnosed with dementia as well. And the main cognitive symptoms of Parkinson's disease dementia would be reasoning and judgment, um, irritability, paranoia, depression, and speech impediments. Huh. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of stuff to mistake yeah. Well, for, yeah, for Alzheimer's. Yeah. Um, well, and, and like I say, there are what, like 200 different types of dementia. Those mm -hmm. are only a few. So there's a lot, lot of different types of dementia. Um, but Alzheimer's is probably the most well-known and common form. Um, a key difference between the two is that when someone is diagnosed with dementia, they are really being diagnosed with a set of symptoms. And that doesn't mean you've diagnosed what is act actually causing those mm, symptoms mm -hmm. um alzheimer's though that's a true diagnosis like we have found the symptoms and we have identified the cause um yeah like what the brain looks like yeah if you have exactly. alzheimer's yeah um well yeah about that actually like what are some of the symptoms and can you tell me about the symptoms of both Sure. Yeah. Well, there the symptoms really do overlap quite a lot. Um, both conditions can cause decline in the ability to think, memory impairment, communication impairment, and um, some things like that. But there are some unique symptoms as well. So with Alzheimer's, you'll see things like difficulty remembering recent events or conversations. Um, uh, increased apathy, depression, uh, impaired judgment, disorientation and confusion, uh, behavioral changes. And in advanced stages of the disease, symptoms could include things like difficulty speaking, swallowing, or walking. But with dementia, um, it can share a lot of those symptoms, but dementia can have, um, other symptoms that that would make it a different diagnosis or it could be missing some of those symptoms which mm. would make it a different diagnosis so Lewy body dementia lbd that i mentioned earlier it has many of the same later symptoms as alzheimer's but people with lbd are more likely to experience initial symptoms like visual hallucinations and difficulties with balance and sleep disturbances and another example is people with dementia due to parkinson's or huntington's disease, they're more likely to experience involuntary movement in earlier stages of, of dementia. Um, so generally, dementia begins with 
simple episodes of forgetfulness, trouble keeping track of time, losing your way in a familiar setting, those sorts of things. And as it progresses, forget forgetfulness and confusion grow. Um, and it can become harder to recall names, recall faces, personal care becomes a big problem. Um, changes in thinking skills, poor judgment or reasoning, um, decreased focus or attention and changes in language and communication skills. And some really obvious signs of dementia are repetitive questioning, inadequate hygiene and poor decision making. And um, the last thing I want to say on, on this to answer this question is as dementia becomes more advanced, people with dementia will become unable to care for themselves, really. Like they'll, they'll just really begin struggling with anything, keeping, keeping track of time, remembering the people and places that they're familiar with, and behavior can continue to change. It can turn into depression or aggression. So, um, yeah, it really does... Um, inevitably really affect uh your your way of life yeah uh this sounds so horrible yeah it's not it was not the most fun topic to, to research, research that we've ever that we've ever covered it was sad one yeah. thing that i like or like one of the th reasons that i wanted to cover this is because there is currently a lot of research going on in it mm -hmm. so that's something that like made me hopeful but then uh you said there's over two 200 different types of dementia or like different like things that are classified as dementia and the majority of the research that I've seen is on Alzheimer's specifically and I was like well what about well I don't know like I had never heard of any of those other types of dementia but people do know a lot about them mm -hmm. I think like there is area like like study going on in all of those areas um but yeah you you did say that in an episode I think it was the sleep episode maybe it was I can't remember, but you said something like uh, Alzheimer's and dementia research is really fashionable right now. And I was thinking about that, um, that sentence, that phrase as I was doing my research. And I was like, oh, yeah, of course it is, because we have a huge chunk of our population who are already there or are yeah. going to be there soon. Like we have like one of the greatest populations of elderly people that there's ever been. So, um, yeah, it's it's. <laughs> It's weird. It feels like in, in some ways you're trying to be proactive about it, but it really is reactive because yeah. it's, it's happening. Yeah. And also people are living longer now than ever. Yeah. So since it's an aging disease, mm -hmm. we have to age there. Um, anyway, speaking of aging and like finding this disease. So let's say I have a loved one who I've noticed is getting confused, etc. What do I do now? How do I get it diagnosed? Um, so... Alzheimer's, for a long time, there was no real definitive test. Doctors would mostly just rely on observations and ruling out other possibilities. Doesn't sound um, scientific at all. Yeah. <laughs> you used to, yeah, you really, you couldn't get a firm diagnosis of Alzheimer's for a long time until an autopsy was performed and you could actually microscopically examine the brain. But... Um, yeah, but having said that, that kind of diagnosis, it's still used today, and it's accurate between 85 and 90% of the time. So, like, even though... What, it, like the doctor's diagnosis or the autopsy one? 
No, the the doctor's diagnosis, oh. like the observation. Yeah. Huh. Um, but I did mention earlier, PET scans um, can be used, and that gets up to 95% accuracy in diagnosing it. But it's usually only recommended as a way to identify Alzheimer's in patients who have atypical symptoms. Okay. So I, observation and, and consultation with a doctor is still the number one way to get that diagnosis. But if there's something that it's like, this mm, looks not like... Sure. Eight out of 10, like dementia, there are these atypical symptoms here. Something's not quite right. I want to get just a closer look to be totally sure. Then they might call for a PET scan. And um, PET is, I think, positron emission tomography. Yes, I for, think you are right. For the people at home who yeah. are curious. And that's that's the one with the pro, the like the thing that you take and it like binds, it to, binds to the, the plaques or yeah. proteins. Um, yeah. So the, the best diagnosis though, like I say, it's really only possible when you can look at the brain under a microscope during an autopsy. So obviously you can't do that, um, no. for someone who's alive. Um, but all in all, like I say, specialists, they're able to make the correct diagnosis 90% of the time through observation. Hmm. Um, with the, with dementia, a doctor can diagnose dementia when you have two or three cognitive areas of decline, like disorientation, disorganization, language impairment, or memory loss. And usually a doctor or a neurologist would administer uh, several mental skill challenges, like the Hopkins verbal learning test has you try to memorize and then recall a list of 12 words, and they'll throw in similar words um, in the, into the test as a way to challenge you and try to identify it. So like they would, they would would do a bunch of skill testing questions and tests like that in addition to observation didn't we learn that the number of things that we can hold in our brain is seven so 12 is kind of asking for a crap shoot no? <laughs> maybe <laughs> hadn't thought of it that way yeah my or um, that like we only have 18 seconds to remember these things anyway so it's like do this test quick or else i'm gonna be diagnosed <laughs> with dementia get her going yeah um <laughs> my my great aunt she was actually diagnosed with like definitely dementia potentially alzheimer's and so she fell into that category that like would have been good to have a PET scan for. Really? Yeah. Um, the PET scan, I, I don't have a date, but it sounds like it's kind of new. Yeah, so she I don't get know one. how long ago um, she would have been diagnosed, but um, I don't know if that even would have been available. She didn't get one. And also, like, at that point, it doesn't really make much of a difference. Like, we're dealing with it her becomes cognitive the quality decline. of life. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it doesn't, it, there is nothing we could have done for yeah. her differently, regardless, regardless of the diagnosis. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. That was no. a downer. No, it's okay. It's totally relevant. Um, so it, uh, from what you've told me about diagnosing dementia, it sounds like it's more of just a guessing game. Like you're just looking for cognitive decline. Uh, are there any challenges in accurately diagnosing it? Yeah, so you're right. It is sort of a, a guessing game. Like, it's all through observation. So, like, yeah. I just yeah. had a fucked up image of, like, the price is right or, like, family feud. Yeah. It's like, and it's just what? a game show of diseases that which, you could get assigned. Which person of your family is showing these symptoms? Yeah. Um, yeah, it is, it is challenging. So there are, there are three things that you need to diagnose something, um, etiological validity, phenomenological, phenomenological validity, prognostic validity, and 
dementia is really missing all of those things. So for etiological validity, everyone with the diagnosis, what that means is everyone with the diagnosis has to fit those symptoms. Yeah, they would they would come they would come to those symptoms from a similar cause. But that's not really true with dementia. Like of the whole population of people with dementia, everyone could be coming from a different group of causes that led them there. So it could be um, somebody was a really heavy drinker or had really poor physical or mental health in their younger years or something like that. Like the things that contribute to dementia could be unique for mm. so many um, of the people who are who are ultimately diagnosed with it. For phenomenological validity, what that means is that everyone with the same diagnosis should be presenting that in the same way or in a similar way. Mm. And that's missing from dementia as well. So some people, they might be presenting just with memory loss and other people would be presenting with mood disorders, but other people have behavioral changes. Um, some people might totally recognize and be aware that they're having other um, they're having memory problems and then there would be other people who would be totally oblivious like I'm not having any problems what are you talking about mm. you know um, so so that's missing from dementia and then finally prognostic validity um, that means everyone with the disease would follow a similar trajectory but we know that that's not true with dementia either some people get sick really really quickly other people will have minor presentations over a very long period of time and then really rapidly decline later in life so it just there's it's so different and even within specific types of dementia like people experiencing alzheimer's will experience it in a different way some mm -hmm. people will like i say really rapidly decline decline immediately where other people will have a very long life and they'll die from some other cause before it's alzheimer's that catches up with them you know mm -hmm. yeah that's it sounds like it your brain wants to fuck up either way so it just will <laughs> <laughs> yeah we do we do um expire in one way or another whether it's our brain or not um okay is there a cure oh no no cure so then what else can be done like how do we treat dementia and alzheimer's um yeah there well there's no no treatment options fully stop the progression of of alzheimer's or any type of dementia um there will likely be three times the number of people with alzheimer's and dementia by 2030 Fuck. than there are right now um yeah and like is it is there is it that like it'll become more prevalent or just because our populations are aging i don't know or maybe we are getting better with the diagnosis hmm, maybe. i don't know or maybe like you said um our life expectancy is longer because I'm thinking like if it's if it's diagnosed like let's say in the age group 80 to 100 it appears like 90 percent of the time and in the age group 60 to 80 it appears 40 percent of the time like are those percentages going up or are there just more people in those that age groups know. now hmm. I just had the general figure from a TED talk <laughs> that I watched I hear you. I'm sorry. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> I know. I should always come prepared with, like, very specific sources for all of the follow-up questions you're going to ask me, and I never, ever do. <laughs> no, Megan uh, Megan gave me a list of questions, and I very frequently go off of them. So. Uh, I, should, I should begin, like, giving you these questions and then giving you my footnotes for all of them. <laughs> and be like, also, Marta, just don't. Don't ask this. Yeah. Don't ask that. Um, anyway. 
yeah, so so I don't know the answer to that, unfortunately. But um, I have one really cool study that I want to share with you from the University of Virginia. Um, I actually uh, mentioned it earlier that um, woman who identified the like what's causing the the cells to split in the brain for Alzheimer's. This is the the same study where I found um, this information I'm going to share now. Um, it offered a new understanding of how how the disease develops at a molecular level long before extensive neural damage um, occurs and symptoms show up. Hmm. So um, the molecular processes that lead to Alzheimer's, like I say, they begin years before you actually see any symptoms. And the researchers for this study found that um, an FDA-approved drug called memantine, um, which is currently used for alleviating the symptoms of moderate to uh, severe Alzheimer's, it could actually lead... um, to prevention or at least slowing the progression of the disease if used before symptoms appear. Holy shit. Yeah. And the study, I'm pretty sure it was done in 2018. So this is really current. Um, and it's published in an online journal, Alzheimer's and Dementia. Um, the professor who oversaw this study, his name is George Bloom. And he said, um, we'll never be able to cure Alzheimer's disease by treating patients once they've become symptomatic. Mm -hmm. So he suggested that the best hope is recognizing patients that are at risk and treating them proactively with with new drugs and lifestyle adjustments that would reduce the rate at which the silent phase of the disease progresses so the like all the stuff that happens in your brain before it all any of it becomes um recognizable to the eye mm -hmm. um basically prevent it from starting it's actually um, sorry it's actually like amazing and scary so it's scary that like this is happening in your brain mm -hmm. and you don't know it like, for like a decade don't you, you wish we had know. yeah more control over our brains if our brain's like hey i'm like fighting this virus your body like gives you a fever if it's fighting a virus but your brain is like no don't worry i got this like, i got this <laughs> and then it's like don't got this what is a spoon again like so the brain is like the type a kid in class always like i don't need help i don't need help i don't need help until like everything is crashing and burning around them <laughs> you mean me also? <laughs> or me yeah so um, um yeah. And also it's um it's really cool that your brain like tries so hard to fix this like that it's under attack for so long before it and actually starts to show you that that this same study but that woman i mentioned earlier one of her uh theories was that the reason these cells are splitting is that your brain is trying to compensate for the fact that the mm -hmm, cells are mm -hmm. dying yeah so yeah it is really like trying <laughs> yeah like, <laughs> really hard neuroplasticity um, and your brain figures out like how to do things differently so if you suddenly lose this ability because like alzheimer's has attacked that place your brain will try to figure out a different way to do it yeah which is cool yeah but also just tell me that you're fighting something let me help you Speak with drugs. Up, brain. i help you um anyway so their their study it suggested that memantine could have disease modifying properties if if you're taking the the medication before you actually have symptoms or diagnosis where do i um, buy this how do i start taking it now <laughs> you i think you'd have to get a prescription oh. um so at this time the side effects of the drug appear to be infrequent and modest um and bloom the the guy who ran the study he says that any potential patients would need to be screened for alzheimer's biomarkers years before symptoms appear and then selected patients would need to be treated with memantine, possibly for life, in the hopes of stopping the disease from developing or from further further developing. Um, and that's just one study, by the way. I'm not trying to like create some sort of 
false hope because it's like it's yeah. all relatively new, but it's also like coming from great minds, right? So, and, and it is interesting. Um, and Bloom is currently working with colleagues at the University of Virginia School of Medicine to design a clinical trial for this. Yeah, I think we'd also need to know a lot more about like the markers of people who are at risk for it. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, the um, breast cancer and the BRCA gene. Like, if you have the BRCA gene, you're like way more likely to develop breast cancer. So, It'd be cool to see, or maybe there already is, there already are like biomarkers of Alzheimer's that us us laymen don't know, but, um, yeah. So anyway, it, it is interesting and and I wanted to share it. Um, but aside from the hope of that sort of thing, like the idea of getting ahead of it, because I think the, the point there is, yeah, if you're, if you're getting to treatment by the time you already have symptoms, treatment is about making it's it's palliative at that point it's about making your life as good as it can be for mm-hmm. what it the time you have left yeah not it won't be about preventing or killing it off or anything like that um so there's there's lots of things you can do that would make dementia or alzheimer's worse for someone oh sure um, yeah some some drugs could make it worse uh living in an understimulating environment and isolation would absolutely make it worse talking down to someone demeaning someone um like just poor care of a person um who's who's living with alzheimer's or dementia um and all of that would contribute to their um disease progressing faster getting worse um so what can you do to make it better and here in my note i wrote drugs (laughs) (laughs) i wrote exclamation points over all of them so i'll read them all like that drugs yay (laughs) and Um, she's doing like a little spirit fingers thing (laughs) there are some drugs that that would help with symptoms um and some that might not like i mentioned but some really do so there are some drugs that are approved to help mild to moderate forms of alzheimer's and they are called cholinesterase inhibitors. I'm pretty sure that's how you say that. Um, they help by improving the ability of impaired nerve endings to transit transmit messages from one nerve to another. Um, and depending on the medication, the user might experience different side effects, of course. Uh, but these medications, they might be helpful for two to three years or even longer. Um, and eventually, though, like, like I say, it's irreversible. So nerve endings degenerate and those drugs would no longer be effective. So then for moderate to advanced Alzheimer's, something called memantine hydrochloride, uh, memantine, which I mentioned earlier, um, that's really helpful. Uh, as the disease progresses, there's a neurotransmitter called glutamate that leaks out of nerve cells and it's reabsorbed at levels that are toxic to the cell. So memantine hydrochloride helps block the reabsorption of glutamate. Huh. Yeah. And this, so you saying all this, like, again, makes me excited for Alzheimer's research, but also fearful for the 200 other dementia related illnesses, because like Alzheimer's, we know specifically what we need to target. Well, and like, there would be like Parkinson's, for example, that's something, Mm. there's a ton of research happening in that, um, in that disorder, Huntington's disease. I think there's a ton of research happening there. So it's just like, yeah, uh, identifying all of the different types and then narrowing in on what works for each of them. And I, I'm a little bit hopeful that because, um, 
the there is a lot of overlap in symptoms right like i was mentioning earlier mm-hmm. this can be dis- misdiagnosed as this other thing or this could be misdiagnosed as this other thing so like there are a lot of overlap in symptoms so um i don't know if that means that there's overlap in causes yeah in causes but i'm i'm hopeful that um maybe not drugs specifically, but that other forms of treatment that I will get to in a moment could be effective for all of them. Also, our brain's so small. How long should it take us to figure it out, really? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) sure. Um, Okay, so yeah, tell me alternative. Alternative therapy! (laughs) That's the next one. Yes. So there are some non-pharmacological therapies that might be beneficial to people living with Alzheimer's or dementia. Um, We've actually talked about a few of them already. Music therapy can be very helpful. Pet therapy can be very helpful. Um, And then I found one that said aromatherapy and massage and like eye rolled so big uh, because it seemed like nonsense to me. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, um, providing somebody with Alzheimer's or dementia with support, interaction, um, and just overall care is really important to their quality of life and contributing to you know not making things worse so maybe it actually is not a bad idea to rock some aromatherapy like get some candles up in there go get a massage it doesn't like i always feel good i've only had one massage in my life but i felt (laughs) fucking incredible after it Um, and scent is one of the strongest senses linked to memory yeah hey yeah that's maybe it's not super hokey Maybe it's only partially hokey. Maybe it's only partially hokey. Um, it, it could certainly contribute to a good quality of life. So it's not mm-hmm. it's not to say don't do it. Um, if it makes somebody feel good, good. Do it, yeah. Um, yeah. Now, um, I did find all of these suggestions through Alzheimer's Society of Canada, and their site was really careful to point out that there is a lack of research to a lot of, a thir- of alternative therapies uh, and treatments, and that makes it hard to confirm if they're effective. Um, apparently the Alzheimer Society is actually funding projects in these areas in order to try and identify what the benefits would be for alternative therapies, but they were really careful to warn that like, if you're considering the use of an alternative therapy to treat something like this, always go in understanding the risks of it. So Mm -hmm. not assuming that natural means safe, being wary of unsubstantiated health-related claims and herbal rate. um, This was, this one's actually quite important. Um, Herbal remedies can change the way prescription drugs work. Yes. Yeah. So be aware of interactions with other drugs and tell your doctor or your pharmacist or your loved one's doctor or pharmacist about herbal remedies you might be taking. Or if you're looking at a herbal remedy, talk about what prescription drugs you're taking like just really be aware of that um you don't want you don't want something you don't want to go into something thinking it's a solution and and have it turn out to be a disaster there's actually um like have you heard of saint john's wort uh it's a herbal like it's a what is it like a vitamin like in the vitamins and minerals aisle i I feel like i have do you have it uh, St. John's wort, it, uh, like, I mean, we have it in our house, but it, uh, it interacts with SSRIs, which are commonly used as antidepressants. No, we've talked about this. Yeah. That's why I've heard of it. Yeah. You've and told then, me this before. And, uh, what is it? Grapefruit interacts with the birth control pill and makes it less effective. Yeah. So there's I'm just so like. I'm so glad I don't like grapefruit. <laughs> <laughs> so many crazy things that like, just go on to, um, WebMD and look up any medication that you're taking because yeah. it probably has interactions. That you don't realize. Anyway, yeah, that's my... I'll get off the pedestal now. 
No, no, it's good. It's you're right up there with the Alzheimer's Society of Canada, so don't worry about it. Um, so the next area of treatment is support systems. Um, help, help build somebody up. Uh, I watched, I watched several TED talks. I of course, because that's how I do a lot of research is through mm-hmm. TED. I just get inspired by good ideas and then I go and find some facts um, you just uh, that's their tagline if yeah. you guys didn't notice yeah, so it is it's great um clearly it works on me so I watched a TED talk by a woman um named Beth Fouth and who has a PhD she is now an associate professor in the family consumer and uh, human development at Utah State University um so she her I really loved this TED talk I'll probably share it in the um show notes mm. um And uh, what she said is rather than focusing on reality, so for example, when someone with Alzheimer's is making mistakes to you or or to someone in their family or thinks, thinks that like their husband is coming to meet them and forgets that they passed away, um, don't focus on reality, focus on the person's emotions, that person's reality and facts, they're not real, like they're not in the same reality as you, Mm. but their emotions are real. So respond to that. Um, If someone is missing their husband, like if they're worried that their husband is coming to meet them and you know that the husband has died, like maybe they're missing their husband. So acknowledge that. Think about how you would feel if you were missing somebody who you felt was far away um help them write a letter to that person help them put it in the mail you know do something Mm -hmm. like that or maybe it's a sign that they're lonely so like sit with her for a minute or or him and give them a human connection um if they're scared like again how would you feel if you were if you were scared or if you were lonely stay with them hold their hand give them comfort basically don't point out that they're wrong or point out that their feelings are um not in touch with reality because yeah. that's not the point yeah and yeah. like maybe maybe somewhere deep down they know that their husband passed away and so they're feeling like that sadness and they or explain maybe it they away don't. so how the fuck is it gonna feel yeah. for you to be like uh actually no mary he died like <laughs> yeah like you could know that something is wrong like something that there's something wrong yeah and you, then they could know not that know the reason feel, for right? it yeah. yeah yeah so they make up their own reasons but that yeah. feeling is still there the, the emotion is real. still true yeah exactly um and it and it doesn't always have to be about helping them when they're in distress so it doesn't have to be in this moment where like they're they're reacting or they're worried or you know it doesn't have to be about um, responding to this stuff when they're in distress um research has shown that the ability to recognize emotional cues is fairly well preserved for people with dementia mm. um language and facial expressions it's not like you no longer understand what a smile means or a frown means. You know what I mean? Um, So just because um, they don't recognize you doesn't mean that they don't recognize what your expression means or what your behavior means or like how you're, how you're acting. They can see if you're friendly or not. Um, If you, she made this really perfect example. Um, If you were to see a stranger coming up to you and they're not making eye contact and they seem irritated with you, they ignore you, how would you respond to that situation? Like you yourself, like you would probably become irritable or Mm -hmm. aggressive. You might retreat because that kind of response is totally appropriate in that kind of situation. Um, But if you were to see a stranger coming towards you who was smiling, you can tell that they're nice, you can tell that they're gentle, they're not acting aggressively, what would your response be to that? Mm -hmm. Um, So she, Beth Faust, uh, or Faust, pardon me, um, 
she did a research study with her students on people with dementia in a nursing home and their staff. So it was specifically looking at like the interactions or lack thereof between um, a, a patient and, and the staff members. They found that with no interactions with staff at all, a client would display positive behavior. So that means smiling, showing interest in something. They would show positive behavior 36% of the time. But when there was a positive interaction between the staff member and the client, like you're doing something friendly, um, a staff member helps them with an activity, they would see positive behavior within the client 81% of the time. Um, So someone with dementia can absolutely experience joy and happiness and all kinds of good things without interaction 36% of the time, but it's vastly going to improve if someone makes an effort to engage with them. So basically to a person with Alzheimer's dementia, it's, it's not about the facts. It's not about reality. Um, their emotions are real. So that's where you can help and where you can play a role in their treatment is engaging them. Um, I watched another really inspiring TED Talk, of course it was inspiring, uh, by a woman named Jay Newton-Small, who's a big, big, big deal journalist. She wrote for Time Magazine, she interviewed like multiple presidents, she's covered wars, natural disasters, like she's a big, big deal. Um, Her dad was diagnosed with Alzheimer's at age 58, and her mother quickly burned out from caregiver fatigue, which is apparently very common, Mm -hmm. um, could probably be its own episode of ours, Um, and and her mother died suddenly. So then she became her dad's primary caregiver, and she wasn't able to do it, and she moved him into a nursing facility, and he hated that. He thought that she was, like, putting him in prison. Um... Anyway, as a result, she started a company called Memory Well. She like quit her amazing one in a million jobs at Time Magazine and she created a company called Memory Well and it's a startup of more than 250 journalists who write and tell the life stories of people living mm. with Alzheimer's and dementia in order to improve their care. So they put the stories, they they found a bunch of different ways to to have people interact with these stories. They would put them up throughout the nursing home so that staff and other visitors can read the stories and get to know the residents, meet them sort of, um, not necessarily just shaking their hand, but like really getting to know them. Yeah. Um, and it gives them a whole toolbox of things that you can use to engage that person now. So like what kind of music did they like? You can play that music to engage with them in that way or showing them photos or, you know, now I know what their favorite shows are, or I know different places in the world that they've traveled or, you know, all these different things that, that they, that you can know now about someone who might not be able to share those things anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so basically it's designed to help give a voice to someone who is losing theirs and that really, um, helps to build a community and really build empathy. So I thought that was quite that sounds great and and wanted to share that really um, good idea so that's how to how to treat people who already have alzheimer's and dementia you mentioned briefly earlier about there are things that can be done to prevent the two or like you can take what was it mm, something about that what's that medication mem something mem- <laughs> i'm not gonna be able to say it menatine men- men- yeah that one <laughs> uh <laughs> I literally, I have to have it written in front of me to say these things. Why do you think I didn't say it either? (laughs) So what else can be done? Like, what can we do to prevent it? 
Um, yeah, so there, there are a lot of known risk factors that you can identify earlier in your life that can be addressed as a preventative measure. Um, and you've probably already guessed, listeners, that they're all about just taking good care of yourself. Um, physical activity, stay active. Um, cognitive activity, stay active. Um, Middle-aged obesity is a risk factor. So again, physical huh. activity and maintaining just a good, healthy diet are really important for preventing your risks. And apparently eating a Mediterranean diet is recommended to reduce your risk of dementia and Alzheimer's. I think that's low carb. Uh, well, I didn't know what Mediterranean diet was. So this is something that I okay. did I Look did into? foresee you would ask. Yes. <laughs> so I Please tell me. It. Um, uh, yeah, I didn't know what it is, but it's, uh, it's kind of exactly what you think. It's really, it's, it's based Fish. on like the diet of people living in the Mediterranean. Well, so really guessed. high in vegetables, fruits, legumes, mm. nuts, beans, cereals, grains, fish, and unsaturated fats like olive oil. And it's usually a lower intake of, of meat and dairy foods. Makes sense. So not necessarily low, low carb. carb. Um, but just like lots and lots of veggies and grains and fish and not so hot on the dairy or meat. Yeah. Well, um, omega threes and sixes, which we get from fish are very good for your brain. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Brain food. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, also maintaining a healthy cholesterol and healthy blood pressure levels, which a Mediterranean diet would probably contribute really nicely to, um, addressing low mood. So once again, paying attention to your mental health, this comes up in so many different episodes that we've done that like pay attention to your mental health mm -hmm. all through your life, but in your younger years, because it could be a contributing factor to something later in life. Mm -hmm. Um, drink less and smoking less. Unfortunately, alcohol and tobacco are really not that great for you. Well, then this Friday, I definitely put myself at risk. For or this Alzheimer's. whole long weekend, I put myself at risk. <laughs> um, it's basically, it's the same sort of stuff that reduces your risk for a host of other things. Heart disease, cancers, like... like Sleep well. Just, yeah, take care of yeah. yourself. Take care of yourself, guys. <laughs> <laughs> your mind and your body. Treat it well. Yeah. Um, what... I think that's all the questions kind of that I had. What that's, else and that's can you share? Coming up on our time as well. Um, but one thing I wanted to say, and it's more of an apology directly to you, Marta, is that I didn't have a ton of like studies. I quoted one particular study and one sort of sort of study. Um, no, but there were some numbers in there. There were some numbers in he there, gave me but some I did want like I know how you like brain scans and. Um, I wanted to be able to share those things with you, but I don't have any to share. You gave me some science. You gave me some numbers. I I'm gave happy you a little that. bit of everything. Think, and it's a lot. It was yeah. a big topic to try and cover. I think you gave me like an appropriate amount to make it feel like you know what you're talking about. And also that it, I'm not lost in the science. Yeah. Well, um, what I wanted to say is I didn't share a ton of studies, but it's not because they are not there. Mm. I found a bunch of studies I that I was this like, list. whoa, this is cool. That's cool. That's really cool. But it was sort of like, okay, I could spend like 10 hours researching all of these and I would have 
way more content that's really specific to yeah. a few things and wouldn't let me cover this um, mm-hmm. as generally as I wanted to or as overall as I wanted to. So I apologize that I do not have them to share with you today, listeners, or you, Marta, but I do have the sources and the titles. We'll put them in the show notes because they are really cool and you should check them out if you're interested. Like Sounds the, good. The one that I did quote, the University of Virginia study um, about... The, the M drug, M yeah. drug that we can't say. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fascinating, yeah. and there were a few other ones that I was just like, "Holy shit, that's really something!" So I will share those. I'll put those in the in the in the notes, and please go check them out if you're interested because they are really cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, thank you, Megan, and that was really a good in depth. Well, it wasn't as in depth. I, I wish I could have gone more in depth, but it was sort of like here's kind of what it is and what it's about, but without going into the yeah. details, the nitty gritty details of 200 types of dementia <laughs> and like the diagnostics for each of them and the treatment options for each of them is just sort of like very quickly yeah. became buried in options. I think I would have stopped listening as a listener. Yeah, I'd be I like, would have too. This like could be cool to listen to, but I'm going to listen to it at like three times speed. My tabs on my... my web browser guys i had four different browsers open with like 20 tabs in each because i was like oh this is getting to be too many i need to start like compiling similar sources and yeah it just got really hairy or like when you're in the middle of reading an article and they say something that like also sounds interesting like something you want to cover so you'd open that in a new tab while you're reading references a a thing and you're like well what's that (laughs) and so then you open a thing and you're like whoa this whole thing i should be talking about this yeah, when Wish I was doing I my wasted the last twenty minutes reading that <laughs> shit. When I was doing my research for this like upcoming episode, that's well the next one too. Yeah, I was like, oh, I need to know about this. Oh, and then I can take it this way, and so my research fell apart, and now I don't have one to record. But <laughs> <laughs> I will. Anyway, yeah, thank you, thank you for the just in depth enough overview. I was of- going for the Goldilocks version of. <laughs> Just right. Just right. Of Alzheimer's and dementia, I feel like I know a lot more, and I'm more scared and less scared now. Yeah. Because I'm, like, I'm hopeful, but also, like, fuck, this sounds bad. It makes me think of, like, I've spent a lot of time in nursing homes in Mm. my life, like, visiting people. Um, I've got a very big family, and my parents from, like, a very young age really encouraged, and, like, my, my dad, for example, was really keen on visiting his grandmother and my great grandmother and like anybody we kind of knew he would just kind of take me along and um that's really important and it isn't about again pointing out what's real and what's not real it's just like good interactions it's nice to have like your grandkid to play with even if you don't remember that they're your grandkid it's really wonderful to play with children or like (laughs) to listen to music or to know that somebody showed up to visit you and like Mm -hmm. wants to watch tv with you like it's better to not do it alone this is yeah true yeah Yeah. um and that's on that note that's kind of everything for today guys yeah um thank you again for listening we are who knew we didn't everywhere on every social media find us on facebook twitter um we don't have a linkedin i don't know why that popped into my head uh no we don't have a linkedin we won't we're not like a business i mean pay us if you want but we have a patreon for that we do have a patreon for that oh find us who knew we didn't at patreon um and with any of your questions send us send them to us on twitter uh hashtag wkwd or also i just discovered one of our listeners 
messaged us on Facebook and they were like, oh, I guess you didn't see my messages on Instagram. And I opened our inbox on Instagram. we had a ton of messages in there. A ton of messages. Yeah. So I I replied to all of you guys for now, but like apparently Instagram just doesn't tell us when there's messages from people who we aren't following. So if you message us there, we'll, we'll get to you. We'll try to see it. Now I check it religiously, and every time I check it, I'm, like, hoping for more, but there hasn't been any since. But, yeah, just message us wherever. Ask us your questions wherever. Who knew we didn't anywhere or everywhere? And thanks. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Bye. Bye.